The next of these treasures is uh, Pasadi, um, usually translated as tranquility, serenity. I really think it's helpful to put this into a verb form rather than to see this as a state. If you look in the Satipatthana Sutta, the first instructions are breathing in, calming the formations, and breathing out, calming the formations. And of course, the formations is, is it's another word for sankharas or patterns. It's another word, the formation, another word for, it's calming anything that is agitated. You know, we, we see how much agitation there is in our world, born often of anxiety, um, and how very infectious agitation is. Uh, you know, the body becomes agitated, the mind becomes agitated. When you look at the veiling factors we've spoken about, the craving for sensual pleasure, the ill will, the restlessness and worry, the doubt, these are all agitations. And I think the dullness or numbness is what happens when we can't bear the agitations anymore and we just want to check out. But these are all powerful agitations and they, they make us busy. You know, they make us busy. Agitation makes us busy. It makes our, our bodies busy. You know, it makes our, our minds busy. We can see when there's agitation and the body becomes agitated, the mind starts to proliferate. The mind starts to generate narratives about the past, about the future, and what we're preoccupied with in the present. And we can see, you know, how our lives can just become dominated by these by these stories and these agitations. And you know, sometimes it's a really good question to ask of ourselves, you know, what's the story I'm writing right now? What is the story I'm living right now? You know, is it the story of agitation? You know, or is it the, the story of peace? You will notice in the presence of wholesome qualities, you know, like when, when joyfulness is present or you know, when mindfulness is present, when, when generosity or kindness are present, it's not much story that gets written. You know? We're not sitting and thinking, why, why am I kind? You know, I'm not a kind person. Where did that come from? You know, and now I got to be kind. You know, what's going to happen with this? We don't do it, do we? Ah, it's a moment of kindness. It's a moment of generosity. But you see that the veiling factors are powerful story builders that often get us moving, often get us our bodies and our minds moving. And this is all of the story, this is all of the stuff of self-making. Now, how often we build our sense of self upon whatever veiling factor is present. You know, I'm an anxious person. You know, I'm a greedy person, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm really an aversive type or, or, you know, often a mixture even of these hindrances. But it's really important to see this link between the agitation of the veiling factors, the story generation and the self-building, you know, the self-building, which is actually born 
of the identification with the agitations. This is about calming the agitations. And this so starts with the body. You know, I really, really want to highlight that. It so starts with the body. You know, when we when we actually have the intention to, to put our bodies into an embodied intention, you know, an embodied intention of calming, you know, an embodied intention of stilling, you know, an embodied intention of groundedness. You know, it, it's why the, the postures can be so important, you know, that there's a very conscious embodiment of an intention. It, it's For most people, this is the beginning of calming the agitations. I mean, you know what it's like, don't you? When, when, when there's no mindfulness of the body, how, how the, the license is given to, for the agitations to to really reign and to govern, you know, we may be sitting, but, you know, we're all over the place, you know, the body is restless, the body is, well, I've got an itch, you know, no, I need to, you know, our eyes become, especially our eyes become very hungry, you know, uh, they're, they're everywhere looking out for, you know, either for threat or what's going to gratify me or what, what's going to entertain me. You know, there's so much agitation that is enacted through the body initially. So an embodied intentionality of calming the agitations, beginning to foreground in the body of this moment, what is not agitated. The palm of my hand is not agitated. You know, I might feel this energetic sense to move, but I can foreground what is not agitated and almost begin to spread that through the whole body. You know? through the whole body, beginning to sort of expand it through the whole body, through, through the layers of agitation, calming the body, calming the body. These agitations of the mind that are built upon the veiling factors, in Pali, the word for this is papancha, or proliferation, the generation of thinking, rooted in these underlying patterns, these underlying veiling factors that really clouds and distorts our capacity to see things as they actually are. And we know how this is true. You know, when the, when the agitation of, of aversion is really present in mind and body, these are the eyes through which we see ourselves. You know, it's the eyes through which we see the world. You know, when the agitation of worry or restlessness is moving through the body and the mind, this is the eyes through which we see the world. You know, the world is seen as being this threatening, you know, scary place to be in. So these proliferations are not only shaping our sense of self, but they're shaping actually how we see the world moment to moment. So beginning by calming the body the mind will begin to follow in its wake. You know, by foregrounding what is calm, we're, we're actually taking the, the fuel out of the proliferations. We're taking the fuel out of the narratives and the stories. And we're beginning, to, and that begins to allow all of that agitation to calm. And this calming, this tranquility as a verb is actually so, 
so crucial in this path. You know, that our world doesn't actually need more agitation, you know, but it's sorely in need of a little bit more serenity, a little bit more tranquility, um, a little bit, yeah. But to think of this as a process and a verb rather than a state, because we cultivate serenity and tranquility in the midst of the agitations. Chris. And, you know, and the language of the nervous system is another lens through which we can view this and have that sense that uh, a primary opportunity of having a mindfulness practice is to learn how to regulate our nervous system that can be so jumpy and so stuck in driven doing mode, as it's called, you know, the sympathetic nervous system just activating all the time. And this sense of looking for where can I place the attention that is karma, that is, is orienting towards a karma. And also this sense of slowing down when we have the opportunity. I've been teaching mindfulness quite a lot over the last eight years in a, in a workplace that is a particularly frantic one where um, people move along corridors at that angle and where everybody speaks fast, it seems like, and there's a kind of incredible buzz of uh, social media all the time. And one of the things I noticed after a, uh, a year or so of teaching there was that I, I was speaking more quickly in the mindfulness classes there than I would in other places. And I got curious about that, you know, and thought, oh, okay, because I, I was teaching a course which is called Finding Peace in a Frantic World. And I noticed, oh, I'm becoming a frantic mindfulness teacher. Now there's a thing, you know. And actually to, to practice slowing down and deliberately speaking more slowly, not in a, you know, a way that loses interest, but in a way that is actually more embodied. It really helped me as a teacher just to be more present. And it seemed to, to support a, a different ethos in the mindfulness classes where people did come in and you could sense that their nervous systems were beginning to regulate a bit and they slowed down. And some of you will be teaching in environments that are probably quite frantic, or people will tumble into your classes with a lot of franticity. And, you know, just that sense of, okay, slowing down, slowing down, speeding up, slowing down, you know, and the practices of of grounding and settling are really the way the nervous system can begin to learn to let go of some of these or calm some of these formations, these sankharas of drivenness and busyness and anxiety that just can keep us spinning if we let them. And there's another, my sense is there's another important insight aspect to this cultivation of uh, serenity, of tranquility. You know, Joseph Campbell once wrote that 
what we are really seeking for is a sense of being fully alive. Now, this is actually a very noble desire. It's, it's a very noble aspiration. But I think when we're not well-resourced and don't have access to the means, we seek that sense of being fully alive through intensity and through stimulation-bound um, attention and stimulation-bound sense of aliveness. So there's often a, a kind of externalizing, externalization of the, of the sources of aliveness. And this, this is an agitation cycle, you know, intensity starts to be less satisfying, we see more intensity, we see more stimulation, you know, and we see it, you know, in small and large ways, I think, in our world, you know, the, the addictions to, you know, our, 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 our electronic devices, you know, the sense of something always has to be happening, always, always has to be happening, you know, the, uh, the anxiety about sort of not being in the loops of something happening. This is a kind of vicious cycle, I think, which is, is quite hard to break. And I feel like it, sometimes it's not easy to convince people that there's another source of aliveness other than being endlessly stimulated or gratified or excited. You know, it's quite difficult. And it's quite difficult, I think, with many young people today, you know, who, who've grown up in a sort of electronic-based sense of you know, this is where I get the juice, you know, this is where I get, you know, this is where I, I get stimulated. To feel there's a value in ceasing to externalize the sources of aliveness. You know, and I, I think from the perspective of mindfulness teaching, from the perspective of the Buddhist teaching, you know, our deepest sense of aliveness is born inwardly through, through the mediums of appreciation, through the mediums of sensitivity. Uh, through the mediums of attunement, through the, the mediums of, of inwardly generated happiness and joyfulness. And, you know, there's, there's a really, I think, a really difficult kind of gap to somehow cross between our, our sort of learned behavioral experience for being alive and relearning another way of finding that sense of you know, real wakefulness and aliveness that is simply born of how we are present rather than what we're getting. And, and that's, that's not an easy shift for people to make. You know, the, the habit of endlessly sort of scratching the itch is, can be quite strongly embedded, you know, because it, the serenity for some people just feels like uh, you know, from the outside, from not having experienced it, can feel to be flatness or seem to threaten boredom, you know, heaven forbid, you know, that we should be bored, um, you know, and everything will do not to be bored, you know, but it seems to threaten a kind of flatness, which is anything but true. It's not true. And we can see that kind of tastes of calming because because sometimes there is this fear of calming down and of slowing down because it's so culturally validated to be speeding up and and again just to have the sense of okay can we taste this 
can we taste this? I, I think it's one of the reasons why having a day of practice at some stage during your mindfulness course or a, a morning of practice, you know, kind of around session six, if it's an eight, eight week program, a lot of them have a morning of practice or a day of practice where people get the chance just to taste a few hours with less stimulation. I think it's really helpful, isn't it? You know, and to, you know, give people a sense that we, we accompany them into that space. Sometimes people can have the sense, oh, I've got to be quiet for a whole day. And actually the sense of give yourself these few hours as a gift, you know, just to see what it's like to be more restful. You know, I often frame it more in terms of restfulness than silence, even, you know, or just a quietening that includes a verbal quietening. And just to kind of support people with sometimes the, 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 the fear that can come up around that. Um, and yeah, this is, um, this is a, this is a practice uh, for us all. There was something else I was going to say and it's, it's, uh, it's gone for the moment. Okay. Um, yeah, no, what I was going to say was that, that, do you see where we've reached in our journey with these factors? So we started with mindfulness and then we had three energizing factors. So investigation, energy, and joyfulness. And part of this maturing of joyfulness that we were speaking about earlier, and it was really well mapped by the, the Buddha that as joyfulness matures, it becomes more calm. It becomes less a source of agitation and more a source of well-being. And in the Buddha's teachings about the, the ways in which the mind can become more absorbed, he really highlights this maturing of joy into a quality of, of well-being that is less agitated. And this, the next three, this joyfulness, collectedness, and equanimity are, if you like, the calming aspects of these seven and together they lead us to a place of a kind of calm contentment a calm joyfulness a calm sense of well-being that, that integrates these two potentials that we have to be interested active but also to be settled and grounded uh, something that you said Naomi that really made me reflect and you know, this is a world that you've probably lived with for quite some time, you know. And I was thinking about how our lockdowns, you know, have um, led us all to find and discover a greater sense of contentment in a smaller space. You know, and that, that's a real journey, isn't it? To find a greater sense of contentment in a smaller space. And I think this, this is part of serenity, you know, it's about something's not missing you know I have friends who are neighbors you know who used to spend much of their year in in on holiday in Spain and um and then we're having to shield and and when they talked about shielding you know about having how it was a waiting room it was a waiting room for for a better life to begin you know, this was just a waiting room. This one didn't didn't count for anything. You know, it was just waiting this out. 
and still waiting it out. And I thought, well, that's one way of approaching this. And another way of approaching this is to say, well, you know, maybe we're all invited to find contentment in smaller spaces. And, you know, this kind of voluntary renunciation of excitement and drama and, you know, stimulation and that which is new, you know, that which is new, you know, probably all of you like me, you know, getting up through the lockdown. That's another day of lockdown. You know, there's not, nothing new happening here, you know. Uh, oh, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? To find this sense of contentment in a smaller space. I think part of, 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 of serenity is, is kind of cultivating a, what I call a positive disenchantment with our impulses. You know, a positive, it's not an indifference, it's not a, a rejection, but a positive disenchantment with the impulses of, you know, endlessly seeking externalized happiness or the impulses always of reaching out to be to be entertained or to be excited a positive disenchantment with our impulses it's like a big out breath you know it's like a big out breath you know and and it's a foretaste of equanimity i think it's a foretaste of equanimity thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.